Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast, your favorite hockey player's favorite hockey podcast. My name is Logan Rosengard. With me on the call, as always, we've got Rafi Sarafian and we got Noah Foster. And because we are reviewing the trade deadline for the next two shows, we've got one of two guests for the next two shows, editor at Last Word on Hockey, notorious Leafs fan, my second favorite man named Josh, Josh Erickson. How you doing tonight, man? I'm good, man. How are you guys? How are you all doing? Can't complain. Thursday night. Nothing better to do besides talk hockey, right? Especially after that 8-4 caps wallop. Which yeah, is a lot what in the, the world was that? That's the strangest game I think I've ever seen in my life. No, right? Well, the Islanders had a ton of offense. Jeez. Here's the <laughs> yeah. thing. That game would have been like 8 nothing if it weren't for Varlamov. He was terrible. Actually, all I mean, both. All the goaltending in that game was awful, but yeah. Yeah, but the Islanders defense is injury. Just, Islanders yeah. are an absolute tank. Neither bro. of those teams are having their normal game, needless to say. Like, I don't think true. the Capitals aren't known to give up eight goals, and the Islanders also aren't known to score four goals, <laughs> mainly because of Barry Trotz's system, but that's Barry Trotz. I love him. Love the Penguin Man to death. Anyways, talk as quick, I said... But can we talk real quick, by the way, before we get into trade deadline, about what a disappointment the Philadelphia Flyers are? That's... Yes. We'll get into yeah, them exactly. a little bit. We can. We can talk about that, Noah. I'm always... Oh, let's, let's, how do you not really only quick? lose to Buffalo? Noah, 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 Noah. I'm going to show you down right there. Because as much as we all want to make fun of the Philadelphia Flyers, I love making fun of the Philadelphia Flyers. It's hilarious. <laughs> but, first off, this is just a nice round of applause for Buffalo Sabres. Come on. It's yeah. True. Finally winning their first game since February 23rd. Right before God. March. I don't want to way celebrate to mediocrity, Rafi, if I'm being honest. Like, why do we mediocrity? do Mediocrity? We don't celebrate the Detroit Red Wings when they get a win over the Tampa Bay Lightning, if they do. Right? Why do yeah, we they celebrate them once this year? They have. We didn't celebrate them like everyone's. Oh, my God. The Buffalo Sabres are back. It's one game. Let's be realistic well, here. On, I'm, one game. I'm not saying they're back. I'm just saying that win has done. It's probably going to do a lot for that locker room. That's all going to get broken up. <laughs> and speaking of getting broken up, think about all the Flyers fans' hearts that got broken. How do you like? How do you wake up the next day after I getting just, blown up by the Rangers twice? And you then don't. You the Buffalo <laughs> yeah. Sabers. I just like want to throw this here. out there. I, I saw a funny on Twitter today. So what? The the Flyers have given up all in March. They gave up nine goals to the Rangers, seven goals to the Rangers, and six goals to the Sabers, who had lost eighteen straight games. And today, the, and today the Flyers tweeted out that this month, for every save a Flyers goaltender makes, Walmart is donating 100 meals to families in need. I saw that. And I saw that, and I thought, oh, my God, that's the worst April Fool's joke I've seen today. It is April Fool's today. I actually kind of forgot about that. And it isn't that. a joke. I mean, you can look at it two ways. One, that it's tone deaf and it's terrible timing for the fact that you have, like, the worst goaltending in the league right now, save for Ottawa. But even Ottawa's fine because both their bad goalies are hurt and Philip Gustafson is carrying them the glory. Um, or that maybe this is an incentive. Maybe that's how you get Carter Hart back on his game. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm stealing this from a coworker who texted me the same thing today. Uh, that you know, maybe it's Carter Hart's going to make some more saves now because he knows if he doesn't stop that puck, people are going hungry. The funny thing is, and I think it was Patrick Sharp. I want to say uh, at the end of the Buffalo Philadelphia game, where he's like, "Well, we can't blame Carter Hart for this game because the Flyers fans are always just calling Carter Hart out for anything and always throwing him under the bus," and they're like. And the hockey guy as well was like, well, you can't blame Carter Hart tonight because he wasn't even playing. He wasn't even on the bench. Yeah, and I, I just want to be clear. Hart's been not good at all. That's However, a bit of an understatement. Uh, yeah, that's a lot of an understatement. I just, I'm in the business of feeling nice tonight. Um, that's but, new. That's new, Josh. <laughs> hey. Um, <laughs> uh, but he'll be fine. Goalies have really bad years sometimes. This happens, he'll be fine. I, I would not give up on the kid yet. He's what, 22? Whoa, what was that 25? one thing that one said? Wait, what was Goalies the phrase? Goalies are voodoo. One? Yes, the Goalies great loser. Goalies are voodoo. Goalies are voodoo. Uh, but 
I, I do hope that that Walmart thing works out for the Flyers, not as a joke, because that's like a great thing to do. It is it's a good thing. Terrible, terrible, terrible timing. And this is why PR departments exist. Let's segue. Let's move on to our main topic for today's show, the trade deadline. If you don't know what that is, wake up. We got 12 days from the day of this recording to arguably my like a top seven favorite day of the year for me. Uh, the NHL's trade deadline is arguably one of the most exciting days in sports and the most exciting trade deadline. I will not hear otherwise, and I am not here to argue this. But as I said, the next two shows, we will be covering the trade deadline on April 12th. Uh, This week, we are going to not talk about players that are on the market. As the main focus, we will be uh, more so looking at around eight or 10 teams that we all think are going to be more active, most active at the trade deadline, where they stand in terms of being buyers, sellers, whether they're up in the air and can go either way, depending on where they stand in the division, et cetera, et cetera. Let's start off first. Hockey's team, Canada's team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they are arguably the most like scary team in the league. I think if you put them in the central division, they would probably be on pace with the hurricanes and the lightning and the Panthers for that, like race for first place. I think if you put them in the West, they'd be killing it. I think if you put them in the East, they would be killing it. They have a bit of a goalie issue and they have a bit of a depth defenseman issue, like a genuinely good night in night out, hundred percent reliable defenseman issue. Let's kind of talk about where they stand for the deadline. Josh, I want to refer over to you first as the resident Leafs fan, writer, know-it-all compared to the three of us. What's your take? You're uh, Kyle Dubas. You're taking phone calls over the next week or so. What are your thoughts? Where's your head? Yeah, I want to, you know, this is easily the most promising and, and quite frankly, just smartest and best Leafs team I've watched. Um, I want to back up on the hype trade a little bit. I, I want to give the scariest team title to Colorado. I just want to make sure people know I'm not too much of a homer. Uh, they are. Um, goalie issue, uh, yeah. I was a proponent of this, and I don't know. We got a very cryptic answer. Yeah, I'll just move from goalies on up. Uh, we got a very cryptic answer from Keith today about the status status of Freddie Anderson and his health. Uh, seemed to not be too serious. I see that, and I see I'm not making a move for a goalie. Um, I think there's you know one or two outcomes here, and that Jack Campbell has yet to lose a game this season at all in any shape or form. He's seven and zero. Though, so that gives you an idea of how much he's been healthy. Um, but when he's been in, he's great. Let's uh, let's go back to that goal saved above expected thing. Uh, and he is saving at least a goal above expected per game. He's got 7.6 goals saved above expected in seven games played. In seven games played, he is only allowed 10 goals. Um, that's pretty damn good. Um Freddie is a bit of a wild card because it could be that giving him this extended break, giving him the rehab he needs. I don't think we're ever seeing the Freddie that we got in the beginning of his Leafs tenure and the end of his Ducks tenure, where I really think he was a top 10 goalie in the league. We're not getting that Freddie back and I'm not expecting that Freddie back, but as Michael Hutchinson has demonstrated this year, All you need is a guy to sit back there and be average. And this is where I'm going to take a bit of an issue with your defenseman comment in that I believe Toronto's a top 10 defensive team in the league. Um, That's a hot take and a half. Wow. Except it's not. I really don't think it is. Look at how well they have done with a guy like Hutchinson in that who's put up perfectly average numbers. Um, Well, yeah, but like uh, they're playing in the North Division. So, yeah. Yeah, like and a, I think, look, Dermot and Bogosian, Dermot especially has not necessarily been what you've looked for him offensively. Um, I'm not going to stand for this. They don't have a depth defenseman thing. Bogosian has been better than I think any one of us could have predicted in a defensive role. D- 
Dermott as well. That pairing is one of the most defensively sound pairings, at least in the North Division. Um, and you've got a really skilled transitional top four. Um, would you like another body? I don't know. Because Rasm- I think Rasmus Sandin is ready for the show. Don't you want him to be the guy who's an injury replacement? What I love... I. Would I love to pick up a guy who gets put on waivers? Sure. I don't know. I don't care. Look, you can, you have, you effectively have two pairs who can play the ice time needed of a first pairing. And the situational awareness needed of a first pairing in both Muzzin Hall and Riley Grody. Um, I do think the Leafs, um, look, I mean, if we're talking about, uh, you know, in terms of general expected goal shares, I think the Leafs are now the fourth best team in the league in terms of an expected goals percentage. And you can take that as um, a super high event team. I'm not so sure I'm willing to do that. Um, and we're talking about a team that's really skilled defensively. Um, Muzzin Hall. Riley Brody and Dermot Magosian all have expected goals percentages on the year between 55 and 57. I, I think the really good. I think the critique <laughs> is really with, good. I think the critique with the Leafs, at least for me, I do agree. They have a very talented defensive team. And I think saying that they need def- depth defensemen is an overstatement. They really don't. They have a few guys that they could bring up. Like you said, they've got, Rasmus Sandin, who very much is NHL ready. Yeah. I Do think, I want a guy who could step in if multiple people get hurt? Sure. I, I think it's that. I personally, if I, I'm not a GM for obvious reasons. There's like 10 reasons that I shouldn't be an actual general manager of an NHL team, an actual real NHL team currently in my life, aside from the fact that I'm 19 years old. Uh, for me personally, if I was a GM and I did have the power to make trades, there is something that I value in a defenseman that has them being like NHL ready, like proven NHL ready. I'm thinking I'm just going to throw guys out there that are likely to move, whether it's trade deadline or offseason over the summer. A guy like maybe Brandon Montour, a guy like I know it's not likely but Kevin Shattenkirk, what he was yeah. going in. Like I'm, to... I'm thinking I'm thinking if you're going to do that, you go lesser scale. And I know I think we're planning on talking about this team later, um, but a guy who would jump out to me is Michael Delzado in Columbus. Yes, um, I, think he's, I think he's proven that he can be that. He is a bottom four defenseman, but he can play meaningful hockey in that sheltered role. And yeah, that's he's done really, well this year. Th- that's really what I value. And I think the Leafs could value that too, right? I am not going to be dissing on Zach Bogosian, and I'm not going to be dissing on right. uh, Rasmus Sandin as players. But I will say there is something that GMs and teams value, especially a team like the Maple Leafs, that if you think about it, they probably would benefit from having six defensemen night in, night out that can move up and down the defensive depth charts and be meaning and play meaningful hockey no matter what minutes they're at. And Michael Dezato could do that, I think, better than Bogosian better than Sandin could do it. And And Dermot. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at when I say they need depth defensemen. They need someone that can do that. Yeah. And I get you, you know, we see what happens when Muzzin goes down. Not pretty. (laughs) Right. It's when the Maple Leafs top defensemen go down, it's, it's pretty rough for them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to put a bow on this conversation, which went really well. And just say that with any injury, if you get injured, you're likely to be injured later. There's news that Campbell is not 100% yet, so right. he could get re-injured. Obviously, if Carolina was not in contention, James Reimer has been hurt. You've been, I've been hearing his name a lot. I don't expect him to get moved, though, obviously. I know Logan loves Reimer, just had a big moment versus Blackhawks just now. Yeah, but if you're Toronto, another goal like Ryan Miller, for example, not a bad safety option at all. Moving on to another team in the North Division. Noah, why don't you talk a bit about the Vancouver Canucks, how they're looking right now? 
Canucks are a very interesting team, honestly, because they're, you know, currently they're sitting at sixth in the North Division, well, tied for fifth at 35 points, with Montreal sitting above them at 41. Uh, in the bottom three is Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa. Ottawa is not making the playoffs this year, much to Logan's demise. Um, it was a bad take. I, I hate that you always yeah. rat on me for it, all right? It was a bad take to no, say that they were going to win the Stanley Cup in this season or be a contender nah, for this season. I, I was get, excited. I get, I, get, um, I get the word for worst take of the season saying Matt Murray is going to bounce back and be you know a top 15 goaltender in the league. I take credit for the worst take in the offseason. Um, we all anyway, have bad takes. This, we all have good takes. Cooks. That's what makes this. It just makes it fun looking back and seeing. Oh, this was so ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't believe I, Rafi predicted the correct Stanley Cup final matchup for last season. We all make good and bad. Okay. Takes. <laughs> okay. No, I predict. Well, my hot, my bad hot take from this offseason was that Chris Dreger was going to have a great year and that Florida would be an 100 point team. That's a pretty good take. Anyway, back to the <laughs> Canucks. Saying. In the original topic, back to the Canucks. Uh, I see this team as a soft buyer at the deadline. Depends on where they are. If they're currently, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten points out of a playoff spot, maybe you say, okay, let's keep a lot of the guys we have, maybe lose some to Seattle, but kind of keep the general team together, then go for a, a playoff run next year. But if they're, you know, a couple points within a playoff spot, maybe you go for it. And maybe you try to knock out if Montreal falls off. They're not as good as people have been expecting. Maybe Vancouver sneaks in and takes that fourth spot. But if you're going to do it, you need some, uh, you need some a little bit depth of wingers, especially at left wing. The left wingers currently are Louis Erickson, Hoaglander, Pearson, Russell, and Vesey or Jimmy Vesey. That's like, eh, fine. Hoaglander's been amazing. Pearson's pretty good, but. You need somebody like a really strong left winger. Their centers and right wingers are fantastic. Um, defense isn't great. I'll touch on it a little bit, but if we're going to really make an impact on offense, uh, you need a little bit more strength at the uh, at the left wing position. Yeah. Also, and I, and I do believe ahead, they're only playing Hoaglander at left because Pedersen's been hurt. So they've been having to play Miller at center. Yeah. I think normally Hoaglander would be would be on the right. Yeah, and if I'm Vancouver, if I'm a Vancouver fan, I'm this season's kind of a wash. They've lost three in a row. Montreal has four games in hand on them, and they're six points ahead of them for the fourth spot. So they have the young. They have a lot of young pieces. Bo, Bo Horvat. You have Nils Hoglanders. Noah mentioned Patterson, obviously. Baster, the flow, and then you have Quinn Hughes as well. Huggy Bear. They got they got some young pieces. I don't expect them to be selling. If I see them more as a light seller, where they, Tanner Pearson's on an expiring deal. I think a team like Boston would really could really use him in their in their top six just for that offensive spark that he provides. But yeah, if I'm Vancouver, you're you're trending in the right direction. This and everything's on fire. Rebuilding rebuild is crashing. Just sell and then look for the next season. Try to shave off some cap space as well with Louis Erickson and Antoine Roussel. I know there's a team that's looking to take on some salary. Yeah, and. Being a seller this year is really depressing because you do not have a good draft to look forward to. Um, so, <laughs> right. And I think Buffalo is going to figure this out really quickly with Hall. How much value does a first round pick hold? I don't think it holds as much as it does in recent years. Draft picks aren't going to get you as much as they did this year. And I think there's a consensus among GMs that you know that, um, I let, let's let's kind of have that conversation about draft picks, especially let, let's transition into talking about the Arizona Coyotes. They def who have none. <laughs> they desperately need prospects, meaningful prospects and draft picks. They are also in a position in the West where they are right on the coattails of the St. Louis Blues. And it's kind of a three team race for that fourth spot between St. Louis, Arizona and the Kings. And if you want to talk about, you, you can mention San Jose, but frankly, San Jose is just so inconsistent and so streaky. I know they've been trending up. I just think I, I just have them out of the picture out of mere principle. That could change in a week. That could change in two weeks. But as of right now, to me, it's L.A., Arizona, St. Louis. Because Arizona is where they are in the standings, you, you know, there are two ways it could go about uh, their trade deadline. If they feel that they love the roster, 
if they think they're goaltending with Antti Ranta and Aiden Hill. I don't know if, when Darcy Kemper's coming back, but if he comes back, that's a pretty good du- duo with Ranta and Kemper. That's like my favorite duo right there in the league. Do they buy in order to make that push and stay ahead of St. Louis and LA? Or do they sell and build for next season with a draft pick or two with a prospect trading a guy like Connor Garland, trading a guy like Nick Jalmerson, who has a lot of value for teams that need defensemen? I don't know. I don't necessarily have an answer for that, but that's something to think about, right? You want to talk about the value of a first round draft pick and a high prospect. Let's talk about Arizona in that sense. Yeah. And it's, it's hard in a vacuum because in a vacuum, realistically, Arizona should sell. However, if you're telling me to decide right now who I think is going to make the playoffs between the blues and the Yotes, if nothing changes, I'm saying Arizona. Um, Also a factor this year, especially is what the coyotes need more than prospects is cash. Making the playoffs gets you a lot of cash. Considering they have a new front office too, like a new ish front office in Arizona, it definitely would be a good look on the organization in the eyes of Gary Bettman and shareholders of the league. Because if there's a team right now that is on the fringes of being relocated, folding, needs money now, it's Arizona. Florida was building for this year, always. Like They were never going to be great every year. They weren't going to sell seats. They're selling a lot of seats, and they're good. It's kind of like the Carolina effect. Once you have a small market that's popular locally, once you're good again, people are going to want to actually pay money and see the team. What a shocker. Uh, Arizona does not have that luxury. Sure, they did sell. I'm pretty sure they sold out a game towards the end of last season, If I towards the end of the regular season run before COVID last season. But they, they need money. Yeah. I, I think that that's an important is, thing to bring up. And this is something that I think, honestly, I think the Coyotes are, would be more of a buyer if we're – ignoring cap space and everything right now, just looking at this Arizona Coyotes team, where they are, where the contracts look, everything. You would have to guess that they're going to be huge buyers because this is like you're kind of running out of time right now. You have a ton of expiring contracts. You don't really know what the team's going to look like in the future with Seattle looming as well. But in order to be a buyer, you need two things. And the Coyotes have neither of them. One, you need prospects. Well, prospects and draft picks that's what one of them is you need to have those and they don't have their first jump pick Obviously, you need draft that. stock you can kind of you, you know, need draft need- stock basically yeah and they also need cap space they only have a million dollars right now so i personally believe if they did have like let's say five eight million dollars in cap space i think for sure and they had a first round pick i think for sure they go out and grab someone i think they're a huge buyer in that case but they, I, I'd say if you're Arizona, you first try to dump Golagoski's $5.5 million that expires this offseason, maybe like to a team like Chicago that can take on and eat that salary. And then I'd say try to make a bigger move just so you have more cap space now. And then you can look to contend and get that spot from the Blues, which are spiraling down. Yeah, that's that's smart because Golagoski's got like two points this year. I think you'd be better off trying to find somebody to just to just replace him. And even if you're doing that, shipping Golagoski off to somebody, I think Montreal's shown interest too. Um, if you're doing that and then adding a defenseman to replace him, I think that could work. Um, also, you know, their entire defense, save for uh, Ekman Larson and Shekran, is expiring at the end of this year. Um, they need to give somebody an extension so that they can have defensemen that they can expose to Seattle. Because right now they'd be literally, since Eichmann Larson has the no move right now, they'd be forced to expose Chikrin in the draft. So they need to sign some people too. So I think you're going to see that maybe happen. But again, with what money can you commit to these guys? So it's a tough situation. Um, I think... And it's a terrible place for a team to be in. I think more than anything else, they need butts in playoff seats. I think there's going to be pressure from ownership to get that done. 
I think they'd be in a much better position had, had it not been for some of the injuries they've had. I think they can pull it off. I think moving Goligoski would be smart and acquiring someone to replace that role. I think I had Arizona initially as a seller, um, but think like considering it now, Arizona needs to be a buyer and they actually kind of need to be a hard buyer because if they sell now, this, like we've said it before, this, this draft class is not good. Like, and they don't even have their first round pick, right? It's top. So, exactly. it's not okay. It's a good draft class. It's not like the best draft class, but it's just but when you're Arizona, when you're Arizona, it's not when you're good. Arizona that doesn't have a first round pick or yeah. meaningful yes, prospects, anyways, sense, but, it's not a good, but draft. in the term, in the terminology of just the draft as a whole, it's not bad by any means. But yes, no. you guys are, I just want to clarify that. So, yeah, yeah. the viewers understood. Continue. Arizona essentially needs to make the playoffs this year. They need the Blues to be bad, and they need to make the playoffs this year. Because if they make the playoffs this year, okay, fine, that's good. They get they get some money. There, Rick Tockett's get- job is also saved if that happens too. Yep. Like I think a hot, hot hot take that no one really talks about. Rick Tockett, he's a great coach. I think he fits really well in Arizona. I think the players there love him. He needs a playoff appearance this year, and if he if he wants to keep a job, yeah. Uh, so Arizona needs to make the playoffs this year. If they don't then they're going to get screwed by the Seattle draft. Like Josh mentioned, their whole defense is basically up in UFA contracts and you're going to be exposing probably your best young defenseman outside of OEL. Yeah. Uh, so you, you need to sign people regardless. Yep. Yeah. Um, or and, trade for somebody with term. Yeah. And so you have losing forwards. You have like a, a really weak forward group at that point. You have a really weak defensive group. And then, and then if you try to start rebuilding, you have you know no picks because you traded them all away and tried to buy. Right. So Arizona either needs to hard buy and commit to try to get a first round win or at least make the playoffs, or they need to hard sell and accept that next year is going to be like one of their worst years ever. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm not so sure they necessarily need to hard buy. I think they need to soft buy because no, there's nothing that they can do to this roster right now to ensure that they're going to beat Colorado in the first round. It is not happening. This team is losing in the first round. Um, and I guess we can use this to transition into Chicago if y'all want, but but I Rafi had mentioned Goligoski to Chicago and acquiring a defenseman to maybe improve in that role a little bit. What if you did that in the same trade? And would the Yotes potentially be interested in acquiring an old friend in Connor Murphy? Absolutely not. Nope. I'm sorry. I'm just going to cut that uh, off. No. Don't even think about I'm no. just Blackhawks are yeah. not trained Connor Murphy. No. I think well, Connor Murphy. I am to, to, but... to the one Arizona Coyotes fan. No. I'm a big <laughs> proponent in the saying. It's not like a saying, but in the idea that if the price is right, then. Yes, Connor Murphy the Coyotes have the right assets though. And you do it. Well, how much? Okay, so Murphy's making 3.85 through next season, so he would be able to be exposed in expansion, which they would. He's got 10 points in 31 games. Um, He's 28. He's in the prime of defense. The fact that Matthias Ekholm was going to fetch a first and a prospect plus, I'm not saying Connor Murphy's as good as he is, but he's pretty gosh darn close. And the fact that he's an anchor for the Blackhawks defense right now, their best defenseman. Oh man, no chance. No I chance. I no. would not assume that his trade value is that high. He's like, huh? Looking, okay, looking his he's at a, his advanced he's a first round pick and a player. And you might have a point. Okay, if Buffalo's not getting that for Hall, you're not getting that for Murphy. Yeah, I think you could get. But the thing is, Murphy has the extra year, and the salary cap's lower, though. And defense, you need defense. Yeah, looking it, it depends at, on the team. Looking at who Arizona has in the system, I think they could get away with a second Capo Bianco. We'll just do Jalmerson. We're bringing Jalmerson back for Murphy. We'll do the trade back. Stan Bowman, please don't listen to this. <laughs> yeah, but you know, right? If, like if you do. Throwing that out there is a hard proposal. Goligoski, uh, a second. Do, does Arizona even have a second? Let me make sure I'm not talking about They do. That. They do. They okay, have they do? two okay. seconds, I believe, actually. Okay. So Goligoski is second and Kevin Bianco for Murphy. Absolutely not. And we can't. I'm Chicago, I'm taking that trade. I'm, I'm Chicago, I'm taking that trade because Murphy's not going to re sign with you after next year. Um, 
I'm getting the value now. I can't. I'm asking for a 2022 second, by the way, not 2021, because the pick's going to be better. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm Sam Bowman, I with the trade deadline as a whole, I I don't. I think you're selling Yanmark. You're selling Soderberg. Oh, you're selling sure. high on them, and you're just trying to get back assets. I don't think you're trading anyone else other than uh, those two. Maybe Lucas Walmart. You can get like a sixth round pick for. He hasn't really done much, but. As Bowman has mentioned numerous times, he's willing to eat salary, and that's my words on the Chicago Blackhawks. If you're the Hawks right now, you're looking at all these rookies on their ELCs and on really cheap deals, and you're like, this is amazing. You know, we have a lot of our point producers on cheap deals, um, and we've got, you know, our young, our goaltender is a rookie, um, and Malcolm Subban's still pretty young and on a, you know, cheap-ish deal, right? So you're looking at this, you're looking at this deadline and you're thinking, okay, we're probably not going deep in the playoffs. We're probably going to get rocked by the hurricanes or by the lightning in the first round. Even if we, if we do make the playoffs. So we're saying, okay, let's get some, let's get some assets back. Maybe, maybe another first or second round pick if we can, or a third or fourth, whatever works. Right. And you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, this is, we're in a much better position that we thought we would be in. Let's just kind of, keep our keep our base team kind of um hold on hold on to some guys to expose them to seattle and keep all of our young guys in place keep all of our and keep all of our veterans that we like in place and kind of roll from there you don't need soderberg he's kind of just been a replacement because taze was out and doc was out yeah you don't need him once taze gets back and now doc is back you don't really need you know Yanmark, Walmart, those guys are good, but they're not necessary to the core of the team. Connor Murphy, yeah, like he's good, but if he gets as close to Seattle, if he gets exposed to Seattle, he goes to Seattle. You won't, right? Not much. You won't. Uh, no, no, I, I don't think he you, gets. I exposed bet you two hundred dollars. He doesn't get exposed to. to Seattle. Yeah, he's not getting exposed. Um, the other I'll thing, take you though, up on that, that bet, Ruff. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's a losing bet. That's a terrible <laughs> That's bet. A, if there's I can get a back year, twenty dollars though, and more. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I dissed, I know I dissed on the value of a first round pick, but the nature of this draft also, if there's a year to stockpile those third, fourth, fifth round picks, this is that year because while it may not have a lot of elite talent in the draft, it's a very deep draft. And that the difference between a guy in the third and a guy in the fifth round, I think is much smaller than in most years. Um, that's why everybody's mock drafts are so all over the place once you get at that point. Um, I would acquire a lot of those if you could. And I think Chicago's in a very good position to do that. And if you draft well, um, I think you could kind of make something out of nothing in terms of this draft. I, I, I like Noah's strategy there. Sell everybody sure. for mid-rounders. Yeah. Look at Chicago in a much better position than they thought they would be in coming into the season. Yeah. If we've gone to another sun to a central division team that is in a much worse position than they thought they would be in. Current seventh place holder, Dallas Stars and Stanley Cup runner-ups. Sure. Right where we expected them to be, right, guys. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we didn't. Ex- we expected the stars. I think we predicted them to be fourth in the central. Yeah. Right. We we, we thought they'd to... fall back. We didn't yeah. think they'd be contenders, but we still thought they'd make the playoffs just because we, we seen the Blackhawks weren't going to do well. This bad. We thought I, the. Blue I will Jacks say one mediocre. thing about the stars, though, and I'm mainly just going to compliment uh, Anton Kudobin and Jake Odinger. They've been kind of great. Like they've been all right. Kudobin has been iffy. Ottinger's well, been well let's think about it. I said they. I, mean, I didn't single out either of them. They as a tandem have been the, good. Kudobin yeah. is not the Kudobin of the playoffs. Is not the borderline uh, Con Smythe Best winner time. that he was during the playoffs. Right. Yeah, and I think also with Tyler Sagan missing a lot of time, I don't think he's came. He hasn't come back yet. And Radulov has been in and out of the lineup due to injury. Ben Bishop obviously still out. So. If you're Dallas, I don't think you're selling really because you still have a lot to look forward to. And if you're going rebuild route, you really can't with Sagan and Ben's enormous contracts that no one's eating Ben's contract right now. Ben is Ben's right. value is very low right now. So I think you just stand stand pat right now. I mean, maybe if you want to really appraise, you make a coaching change. 
but I don't think you're really making any change from a team perspective. I think you just ride it out, whatever happens happens, and you just get ready for the next season. Right. And, you know, it's when are those guys going to be back? Because they've also played no games. Uh, they have a bunch of games after the trade deadline, I think, more than any other team. Aside but from could that like be also Boston. a disadvantage, though, when you're playing a game every two nights, basically, or you're playing a lot it, of back It could back. be. It could That's be. also a thing to also think about as well. It could be. It also could not be if you're healthier. Um, they're 500. They have Columbus ahead of them who's under 500. So if you go by points percentage, they're sixth. They, I'm not saying they can't make the playoffs, but they're also going to get clapped in the first round. Um, so I, I was wrong about them last year. Not at the beginning of the season, though. I thought they might do something like that. But as time went on, I said, no way. Um, I was wrong. Uh, it's tough because I, as things stand, I, I do think you should maybe consider soft sell, at least get rid of the guys who are pending free agents. I don't know who those are off the top of my head. Maybe Como, Cogliano, I don't know. Um, which is hilarious. They're both still in the league. I keep forgetting they exist. You've um, got Kind of to add on, your UFAs are Cogliano. Um, Comeo, you've got a couple guys on small contracts. Jamie Alexiak. Right. Um, I think our, his value Honestly, your pick easy. three. Alexiak's um, still not bad. He's yeah. 28. He's 2.1-ish. Yeah, I like that deal. He's still valuable. Um, right, but, but do you, again, maybe stand pat and bank on getting healthier and making a bit of a run down the stretch and making the playoffs. I think honestly, the, the stars have all their draft picks still. And I think you just kind of accept this as a bad year and go yeah. on. Right. I, I think, think you the stars are still in a fine position. Yeah. You've still got young guys. You've still got veterans. Your goaltending still really good. Right. You've got one of the best up and coming defensemen, Samir Heiskanen, your forward groups talented, right? Like they're not. Yeah. There's nowhere near a rebuild by any means, but I it's just a weird year. Um, I'm surprised they're not doing better. I think everyone is, but I think you just can, you know, blame I it on I think a lot of it has to do, like, the Stars are probably the one team, at least after, you know, going through the 34 games they've played so far. In the Central Division, I think they're the one team that has been mostly affected by this flat cap. I think they really could have benefited from it going up, knowing where they are now, knowing the information we know and knowing how that the season has played out for them now. I really think they could have benefited from having three and a half, four million dollars more in cap space because maybe they could have targeted someone in free agency that would have prevented this kind of slump. Right. And I think over an 82 game season, I know, you know, it's a lot of what ifs, but over an 82 game season, I don't necessarily think they'd be down and out at the deadline like they are right now because if you look at the like let's assume in an 82 game season the standings in the central division are where they are where the predators the blackhawks the blue jackets and the stars are all within five points of each other the stars at 34 and the predators at 39 they're not in a position where they're totally down and out but they just don't have the sustainability and that plays into why they should sell I just think that's kind of something to bring up because it's a weird season as it is. And I don't think in a normal season, they'd be having as weird of a season as they are, but that's just my little spiel rant on that. Uh, Yeah. I just think the fact that there was just such a short time period between the end of the playoffs and the start of the season, that definitely also affected them because normally you have, I want to say, four-month offseason, five-month offseason, so it's a bit easier to get everyone back healthy, easier to get any free agents into the system. This offseason, obviously, very short, very hard, a lot of rush stuff. Chemistry is hard to build up. Prospects aren't officially 100% ready to go. No preseason, so I think that also affected them a lot. But let's move on to another team in that Discover card central division. And let's go to the Columbus Blue Jackets, where their team that we knew were, was kind of going to be a bit mediocre this year. They weren't, they're just kind of Columbus Blue Jackets, kind of their game. They could squeak into that fourth spot. Uh, as we said earlier in the season, 
maybe is fighting. I'm going to cut you, I'm going to cut you off real quick, Rafi. And I'm just going to say my one hot take for this so that we can get out of the way at the beginning of oh, this yeah, introduction. Sure. I really think they should trade one of their goalies. Cause if they're going to sell, they may as well do that and get the most value in, in terms of draft stock. That's all. That's a, yeah. No, That's an interesting I take. Actually. Like, I mean, if they're going to sell and I'm sorry to take your mojo with this little segue, Rafi, but no, let's talk sure. about take it. It if they're, if the they're going to sell, I think that's how they do it. I love Corpusalo. I love, why am I forgetting his name? Merzlikens. I, I don't know. I think it would probably be better off if they decided internally which goalie they want to run with for the expansion draft and get rid of the other well, one. I just so want that. to mention. Merzlikens is exempt. Gonna, yeah. So then, okay, maybe I'm wrong in that. but You're not losing anybody. So then you're not going to lose Merzlikens or Corpusal, which is good. However, I'm still I still believe that they should trade one of them to get maximum value, right? If they're going to sell and they're going to want to sell for draft stock in this or next year's draft, they should do it and get the most value of two guys that have proven in the playoffs and have proven in past performances that they can perform at top levels over good stretches of time. I think they got to milk that value now, considering the cap, considering where the draft is going this year, considering that Columbus probably doesn't have enough gas in the tank with this roster to go on another push for a wild card in the Metro division in the East when the divisions are realigned next season, hopefully. Uh, I think they just got to, like, they don't have the sustainability to push into a fourth spot and get walloped in the first round. Right. I think they got to capitalize on that fact and get as much value of their young assets as they can and kind of focus internally on building for next season, two seasons from now. I know players don't do that. And I know front offices do that. Players don't, but I think that's where you should go. It just makes the most sense to me. You got to make the most value of what you have and trading Corpusalo or Mers Lincolns for good draft stock or good assets in that sense makes the most sense to me. I mean, if I'm stepping into Yarmo's seat tomorrow, I'm trading Seth Jones, but that's a completely different story. Who wants Seth Jones? Um, Who wants? I, I love that. Everybody, idea. apparently, everybody According wants to the NHL.com. Everyone wants him, but NHL.com and an NHL general manager. Dude, if I can get somebody to overpay for Seth Jones, I am doing it in my sleep. It's I not hate, realistic. It's not happening. I hate saying this because I know there are. I people love that him as a person, this. but yeah, he's I, he's 26. He has two years left. I mean, I. If I was a contender and needed a offensive defenseman, a power play quarterback, I'm throwing a first round pick for Seth Jones. Yeah, throwing throwing a first then, round pick and for then Seth I Jones? will be no, inherently disappointed to... with him when he actually comes and plays for my team. But honestly, if you're a contender, you're throwing him on your second line and you're just boosting right. that defense as much as possible. Boosting right. the power play as well. Yeah. I'm not it's... I'm not asking him to play defense. If Madness Keenan was still in the league, I'd put Seth Jones with a guy like that. Call it a day. Your defense should be fine. You should have a guy back. Yeah. Um, but or uh, my favorite thing, sorry, sorry, Josh, but yeah, also my favorite it. thing, you put him on the fourth line, play him at right or left wing, as Noah and Logan know what I love doing with offensive defense. Justin Bufflin. That's vintage Justin Bufflin and vintage Brett Burns right there. People forget. They started off as wingers their, and they transitioned to the back end of the game. Yep. 100%. Um, except he's actually not that offensively either but that's a different story um realistically if i'm stepping into yarmo's seat tomorrow i'm hard selling um like fire sale actually um because columbus oh i'm not sure if i'm completely doing that though like i'm probably holding on to like atkinson and a couple other guys and waretsky but first of all i mean there's nothing about this team i like and it starts with the coach <laughs> John Tortorella is um, a problem, and no one wants to talk about it because he's scary. Look, I tooth and nail defended that guy for years. We all did. We all I said defended that we were him. Gonna... I said he is the reason Columbus beat Toronto because of his coaching. No, he and is. he was. He... And this year, he's lost his mind. I saw an article in the Athletic. I think that was something about how Columbus's coaching staff was frustrated that they were having trouble turning Patrick Line into a 200 foot forward. 
Breaking. Florida man is frustrated that he's not getting orange juice from squeezing an apple. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's like, yeah, let's, let, I, I, you know what I've I really want? You know what I really want out of Ovechkin? I want a Selkie trophy. <laughs> what the hell? I could not believe a real NHL coaching staff was actually trying to make that happen. You got to let your snipers snipe. And when you're not doing that, you try and mess with his game. You mess it. You get in his head. You mess with his confidence. And, oh, look, line A only is four points in 16 games. Congratulations. You're today's clown of the month for trying that to make is, that work. That has <laughs> got to be up there in the best um, analogy I think I've heard in, like, years. It's kind of like, was... like my famous take. To, to cut off this and move on. It's like my famous saying, and I say it's famous because I say it. You can't, people who say it's like apples to oranges, you can compare apples to oranges. They're both fruits. Right. It's up there with that. Let's take a look. One more Central Division team. I think they're kind of an easy target. We talked about them for a whole show a few episodes ago. The Nashville Predators. They are in a position to where they can actually make the playoffs. However, it's going to take a lot because David Poyle's a bit of a nut, I think. He's old, and he's kind of lost touch with the league in terms of markets and value. And adding on, I don't necessarily think there is a player or sets of players or any sort of free agent, anything that they can do, that David Poyle can do, that will properly fix the offensive depth and properly fix the defensive depth and properly fix the goaltending that is not able to make up for one or both of those things. There's no player in the existence of the league right now that can make up for that deficit. And because of that, Nashville should sell. It's the same it's a thing. market. It, it's it's a the market same thing with why I think Columbus should sell one of the yeah. goalies. If they want to get the most value for next season, which is something they need, David Poyle is on the hot seat and has been for ages. I don't necessarily think John Hines is a bad coach, but if he wants to succeed and he can succeed really well, like I think he has the ability to be a decent coach or lead the bench in some way. I know it's crazy. They need a genuinely good offensive talent that isn't Matt Duchesne because Matt Duchesne sucks i'm sorry he sucks i said it that contract hey at least he likes country music and i just want to say i'm no doctor but if i'm looking at the national predators i am diagnosing them with san jose shark syndrome where they still think that they can compete and they keep thinking that they're one piece away they're one trade away from finally getting over the hump they need a bird they're like, gonna they're gonna keep doing san jose was they're, actually competitive take- they're going to take yes. two or three more years of this of being mediocre until they finally decide to tear it down. Yeah. Right now, they're going to they're going to stand pat because they won five games in a row. Sure, they'll make the playoffs. I wouldn't be shocked to make the playoffs. I wouldn't be shocked if they make it out of the first round if they say hi. But whoa, 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 from whoa, anyone outside, whoa. That, that's I, I said what I said against Tampa. I said what I said. Okay, it's about well, getting regardless, hot. It's regardless, all about want, getting hot. Yeah. John Hines is not a good coach. Um, but 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 outside of that, um, yeah. Nashville needs to sell because the interest in there and those guys is huge. There's going to be a huge bidding. There's going to be a huge bidding war for Ekholm at the deadline. I think if anything, you need to, I think if you, but I think you need to move him because the price is going to be right. Like if you can get a deal where someone's going to, I think any deal, no matter how good your team is, unless you are like a legitimate contender, you need to take any deal that is an overpayment. I'm trading Connor McDavid for 10 first round picks. But Moving Edmonton's on a to a team in the Canadian division. But Edmonton's a Cal- contender. The Calgary Flames, who, and yeah. although they are named the Flames, one could say that their team is on fire and not in the good way. Logan. <laughs> what? Steal my Sorry. joke. What? Didn't even, didn't even get credit. I heard my I name. Was, I, I kind of just zoned out for flyers. all 10 seconds. I was throwing the Flames to you. I was going to flame you and oh. made a joke about how they're hot, but in the wrong terms. Oh, yeah. The flames, not good. Uh, 
Johnny Goudreau, <laughs> if you're okay, there's two ways to look at it. The Scotiabank North Division is fun to watch. It's competitive. The Flames have the ability. They're kind of like in the same scenario that Dallas or Columbus are in this North Division. They have the ability. They have the room and the time. And frankly, the trade deadline is a good opportunity to build upon what they already have, which is a semi-decent team that has offensive eh. But it's going to be tough. And similarly to every other team that I've put in this position, the Flames could also really benefit from it considering where the Pacific Division is in terms of competitiveness, considering where the rest of the North Division is in terms of level of compete. They might want to consider trading a guy like Johnny Goudreau or, I don't know, Sam Bennett, just a name to throw out there, and getting maximum value for next season. Johnny Goudreau especially. I love him. I think he is an awesome player. He is one of my favorite players to watch and to talk about and to watch. He is one of my favorite players on a Canadian team. However, his time in Calgary is up. I'm not saying that because he's bad. He's awesome. He's like a top 50 player in the league. And I know he has great chemistry with Sean Monaghan. Sean Monaghan's a bum, by the way. I'm never going to get off that train. Uh, Johnny Goudreau needs new scenery in order to find actual success. Yeah, and he's, and he's, a, he needs, he's, a, he's like Batman and Robin. He's more of a Robin. He kind of needs a Batman. And I'm not saying Johnny, Johnny Goudreau cannot carry a line on his own, but he's he would, a, be, he would fit great. I think he would be an awesome addition in a team. This is more of an off-season thing. Maybe Detroit? No, I think that would be... Say, no, that's, I was going to say That's a great like, idea. Like, LA or Detroit, I think, are the, I think, are the two best fits. Like, you, you don't Honestly. think about Detroit as a fit for them, but think about the young, fast talent. Think about what Johnny Goudreau is and was. Young and fast. LA, kind of the same thing. Dylan Larkin. You throw I think, on the first line, I think if yeah, exactly. the Red Wings have might have Clark. one move now that I think about it, and I know it's a long shot because Stevie Y is a genius and he shouldn't listen to me at all, but this is an idea. It's a pretty good idea now that I think about it. If there's going to be one buying move the Red Wings do, it's getting Johnny Goudreau because it's for next season. They aren't making the playoffs this season. They've got 29 points. They are 10 full points and like a handful of wins out of being a competitive team in the central, but it's a, for next season move. It'll be a great move in, in, in the future. If they get Johnny Goudreau, the LA Kings, however, let's talk about that fit. I know we don't want to talk about individual players and fit, but the flames only have two guys. They can really sell two or three guys. They can sell Johnny Goudreau, Sean Monahan, maybe Noah Hannafin, maybe Sam Bennett, or another one Sam of those Bennett like sure, yes. top six players that shifted him in out of the top six. Johnny Goudreau is really their big name that they have to bait, to to dangle out as bait. L.A. would be foolish not to maybe call up, hey, how you doing? Let's make this happen. I really want to make the playoffs. You really want to get a fresh start so that you can be a powerhouse for five seasons at least. You should do this deal. That's the Flames in a nutshell. That's the Flames deadline in a nutshell. Sell for value. Right, because you know who's a UFA. Pending is I have follow. So I have follow. Th- they're gonna need some. They're gonna need somebody there. I'm not sure if he sticks around. I think a uh, team better than LA would be willing to give him more money. Um, and now, now that I think about it, I have follow and Goudreau together. Oh my god, I don't want to think about that anymore. That's disgusting. Well, uh, they both play the left. I don't think they're on the same line. You I want to spread the love. Um, Goudreau was a centerman at one point. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Well, oh, I would not put him at center at the NHL level. I mean, that's it's it, an idea. It's an uh, idea. The only way I would put somebody like that at center is if he's playing with a guy like Mark Stone or Tom Wilson. <laughs> that's uh, no, but um, <laughs> um, uh, pedal back to Detroit. Goudreau, Larkin, Zadina, Bertuzzi, insert here, maybe Fabry, Mantha. That's like just an idea. Stevie Y, call me. I love jobs. I want money. And I'm telling you, I already think no matter what, next year, if they sign somebody in free agency, which I think they will, 
Detroit could pull a, uh, what was it, 16, 17 Leafs and get that last wild card spot with a couple of good years from their rookies, Cider. Yep. Cider is going to work his way into a Calder conversation next year, I'm telling you. Let's move towards one more team. Okay. Philadelphia Flyers. We talked about them in the beginning of, wow, at the beginning of the show. Dumpster fire. Not having the best season. Kind of on brand for the Philadelphia Flyers. One really good season, one kind of eh season. But this, this, this eh season is a little different. They were all in in the offseason. They were all in at the beginning of the season, and they were expected to be really good, like top in the league, really good. Why is my voice like this? I do it too sometimes. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. <laughs> I feel better about myself now. Uh, but something happened. JVR was on pace to win the heart with just how monster of a season he had in the first, like, 15, 20 games, and now he's kind okay. of fizzled off. Hey, let Let's me shut up. It. I don't want to okay. no. Let me go on my <laughs> rant before you pick apart my Noah. I will go to Wisconsin. I will find you. We've talked, we've talked about how good JVR has been on this show. JVR was really good at the beginning of the season. Kevin Hayes was an awesome compliment to that. Claude Giroux and uh the other guy. Wow, why am I forgetting Jacob Voracek? That's terrible. And Konechny. There you go. And Konechny. We're all having that's a fantastic top five or six players right there. Yeah, they were starting spectacularly. They, they had a fantastic start. I don't know what happened. I think their defense caught up to them. Also, uh, in the first five games, I, I don't, this is a crazy take. In the first five games, if the season ended there, I'm convinced that uh Mr. Eric Gustafson would have won the Norris. Anyways, <laughs> it's a it's a crazy take, but that's a five-game take. I don't know what happened. They haven't shown any sustainability to be that team again. Sell. Lightly. Lightly sell. You find a player, Faraby, or, uh, wow, uh, Oscar Lindblom, or maybe Shane Gossespierre if you can find the right taker. You trade. You, you trade one of them. You sell. You take a bit of a tank. I know it hurts the because they're... God, do not trade Farabee or Lindblom. I'm just telling you, I, Flyers, I know if you're it, listening, don't it, listen to that. It would guy. hurt. No, 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 it would hurt them. But I'm telling you, it, it trade Voracek instead. That's an expensive contract. For what? He's 31 too. Like he's I know he's good. Years left he's after good. I like Voracek a lot, but I don't necessarily. Think I know. He I'm has, saying he's he's a guy you hope it. Seattle takes. He's a guy that yeah. you trade your first rounder for. And all I'm going to say about the Flyers, yeah. all I'm going to say about the Flyers is this month's been bad enough. The worst part about it, on top of it, is the fact that Nashville got hot because Nashville is not selling anymore. And the one guy that I imagined that could have helped the Philadelphia Flyers immensely is Matthias Eckholm. And yes. he's no longer going to be available. Yes. I've said this so many times. I'll say, I'll, I'll cut Matt you off real quick. I'll, I'll cut Madness you off real Skinner. quick. Yeah, Matt Niskanen was actually a big loss. It's noticeable. Now speak. You may speak, Logan. Anything for the right price. But Matthias Ekholm, Matthias Ekholm is kind of untouchable at this point, just based on where the uh, Predators if are. If Nashville stays this high. I, I don't know what next week will bring. I don't know what the next 12 days will bring for Nashville. If they happen to go on a huge cooler, maybe Matthias Ekholm goals, goes towards the Flyers' way. I think that would be a huge help. But, but... That's not the case. That's not the conversation we're having. The Flyers are really not in any business at the moment, considering the inconsistencies they've shown, the lack of any sort of cohesion in their play. They got to sell. They got to sell something softly. They're not selling to go tank for next season. They're selling and moving on to next year. I want to touch on one more quick topic before we wrap things up. We've covered all the teams we want to talk about. Quick reminder, next week's show will be more trade deadline talk. We'll be talking about the top players on the market. Who's going to go where? Who has the best fit where? What are some hot takes in terms of player trades? Like Johnny Goudreau to Detroit, for example. One question for the three of you. Kind of quick roundtable. What team 
is going to win the trade deadline. I know it's a really weird thing to predict and a really weird thing to kind of pick. Real quick, 30-second thought, who is, who's taking the day? I think it's either going to be Toronto or Nashville. Um, Toronto, because Dubas is a wizard and he hasn't even made a suspect trade since the Cowdery Kerfoot deal. Um, we don't talk about Barry. Um, I think if the Leafs add, um, it's probably going to be on forward and I didn't get to talk about that at much, but you don't maybe need to do that anymore with Galchenyuk. Um, I think the Leafs are either going to win by making a smart move or being smart by making a move that doesn't need to be made. Uh, the other team I throw in there is Nashville, just because I really do think the market's going to heat up and there will be a bidding war for some of their guys. And they could end up taking a deal in which they get a crap ton of assets uh, and make off with kind of a bit of a brighter future for making this deal. Rafi. I'm going to go with the Boston Bruins for the sense that you're we... just a homer. Come on. No, I'm wearing a Blackhawk shirt. You can literally see my Blackhawk shirt right now on the zoom call. It's a ridiculous statement. If I was wearing anything else, yes, fine. But the fact I'm wearing a Blackhawk shirt, you can't even call me that. That's the dumbest take of all time, Logan. I'm sorry. But I'm saying the Boston Bruins because I'm expecting the Flyers to sell a bit and lose a few of assets. I expect them to go down. And the Bruins have been shaky this year. And I feel like they're going to gain someone on the top six. They love throwing their first round pick in any trade at the deadline. So I feel like their offense will get better. And I feel like the Flyers are going to be continue their downtrend. They're going to sell a bit. And that's just going to give the Bruins a four spot because the Bruins have not looked good up late. So that's why I have the Bruins. I'm wearing a Blackhawk shirt. I just want to say to the audience, I'm, I'm literally <laughs> wearing a Blackhawk shirt. Logan can literally see that I'm wearing a Blackhawk shirt. False. I don't know why. He's... Who wins? Uh, Quick explanation. Kind of uh, because there's a lot of good players in the market, and there's a lot of good options for teams to buy or sell. I'm going to say that it's going to end up being uh, – I, I think it's going to end up either being the Blackhawks or the Predators – uh, because one of them, because they're both going to, I think, make a deal to buy the deadline because they're so close in this race for that fourth spot. And one of them is just going to make a better deal than the other. I'm not really sure who it's going to be. It's going to depend on who's better at talking over phone, who has more money to throw at the other team, and who's got better assets they can deal and how they can deal them. So I think it's going to be either Nashville or Chicago that's going to make a way big and get a, a really impactful player to boost their odds in the playoffs. I'm going to agree with you on that for my take. I think Chicago, there, there is, it's Chicago, right? Stan Logan, you're such a homer. Logan, you're such you. a homer. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that, Ralph. Uh, I do think Stan Bowman passed aside. Uh, there's something to his approach to this season. And how the moves that he made, the you know the small signings he's made in the offseason, the mentality that the front office and the coaching staff have instilled in the uh, locker room that I like, and I think that carries into the front office. I think Stan Bowman understands where the team lies. I think he 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 has. I don't know if he's gone out there on record and said it, but he's alluded to the idea of the Hawks actually taking on a bad contract for a first-round pick, for a high-level prospect. I think that's going to happen, and I think because of that, they're going to be the... They might not make the best deals. They might not make the most deals, but I think they're going to be the team that comes out and the organization that comes out with the most media coverage and buzz because they're going to do something that Chicago typically hasn't been able to do actually participate in a trade deadline in a positive way for themselves. They haven't done that in a while because of a contract like Brent Seabrook that's finally on their LTIR. And I think they're going to come out on top in the media's eyes. That's my take. That, however, wraps it up for this week's episode of the Puck Talk Live podcast. Josh, thank you for jumping on. Love talking to you as always. Love hearing you. Why don't you plug your socials and your own show real quick before we wrap it up fully? 
My pleasure, Logan. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Josh LWH. I should have some more cool new stuff to show you guys there. Hopefully soon, maybe. No spoilers. Um, check out my work at Last Word on Hockey. I'm taking a much more expanded role on uh, covering the Leafs. So if you're interested in the best hockey team in the world, uh, come follow along with me. I live tweet games. Uh, and if you're so inclined, uh, I've got a pod going with me and some of my buds and former buds there with Brandon and Matt throwing Haymakers podcast. That's the handle on Twitter. Come follow us too. Thanks for having me guys. Thank you for joining us once again. My name is Logan Rosengard. We appreciate everything you guys do for the show. Don't forget, hit us up on Instagram at Puck Talk Live Podcast. Click the link tree link in our bio to find all of our socials and the show platforms. Interact with us. We love talking hockey. That's why we made the show. Once again, Logan Rosengard signing off for the week, and we will see you guys on the next episode. Take care. <laughs>